Yo, Joburg, we're back. It's a new year. This is GI Joburg, episode 282, Operation Lady Doomsday. My name is Steve. I'm joined by Paul. Hey, hey, and loving the new footage on the intro spin. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob. <laughs> Enjoying my light until the lights go out. <laughs> oh, new year, same old, same old problems. <laughs> And just to help us celebrate that much harder, we've got friend of the show, Bart Simon. Hello, Bart. Hello, sir. Right, guys. We well, are back. Uh, it's been a break. I hope everyone's feeling rested, rejuvenated for a whole new year of G.I. <laughs> Joe chats. Um, how are we doing? Paul, kick us off. Dude, um, I am thankfully very well rested. So thank you to you guys and to everybody, to the Berg Force for um, uh, uh, letting me just take a small break there. I'm sure you guys enjoyed having a, just a little bit of a break just to, before we got the wheel spinning again. So I'm feeling great. I am enjoying quite a few TV series at the moment uh, that I'm hoping we'll at least have a minute or two in the episode to talk about. And yeah, just uh, actually enjoying my toys now, slowly. I actually... Re I received some new toys uh, that were destined for before Christmas, but because of whoopsies and shipping and whatever, they only got to me mid-January. So looking forward to talking about some of that stuff as well. But I'm good. How are you guys? Enough about Personal me. service, hey? Always ensures that you get drip feed um, your, your toys. They don't all arrive in one big dump. It's like, hmm, I'm going to ration this out. I bought this yeah. stuff a year and a half ago, but here it is. <laughs> Rob, how are you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm doing good. I have definitely had a very peaceful and restful um, January, um, G.I. Joe-wise, as well as uh, shop-wise. I mean, like, as normal, retail gets very quiet uh, in the month after Christmas. So I've had lots of time to just play games. Uh, have I watched anything? I don't think so. Um, I, I've, I've been curious to do, though, to do an experiment where I watch Wednesday and compare my experience of it to Paul's, because with Paul being a huge Adams Family fan and me being kind of like, I watched the movies, I enjoyed them, but I don't have like a huge like history with, with Adams Family. So we'll see um, how that pans out. I'm curious to see how that pans out. Hell yeah. <laughs> and Bart, have your pre-orders started hitting you like a sledgehammer? Are you swimming in classified series figures? You pretty much are the only guy in this podcast who's uh, up to date, shall we say. I mean, I assume you are because you buy everything, right? Yeah, I, I do have everything uh, up to date. And then um, the Valiverse uh, Series 3 just hit me. So I'm taking yeah. a little bit of a break uh, so the pocketbook can, can uh, fill back up, even to the point where my birthday was on Wednesday and I didn't even buy myself anything. No, how could you do uh, that? The struggle is real, man. Too Shark, many toys Shark, all at once. Yeah. Not even Look, a silly I... steak or something? Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. sneaking into the studio, um, it wouldn't be a G.I. Joburg party without Big Jim Godfrey. Hello, brother. Hello, hello, everyone. How are we? We're great, Doing man. So good, it's... so good. Sorry, good to I'm chat late. to my friends again. Yes, actually. <laughs> Jimmy, happy new year, all of the, you know, festive greetings and all that jazz, man. Um, how are you, dude? Uh, what's new in your toy horizon? Um, in my toy horizon, not much. Well, well look, let's, let's get general first off, like, <laughs> before we narrow the focus to, like, talking about plastic crack, how <laughs> are you? 
Mentally, I'm wonderful. <laughs> Physically, <laughs> I uh, I tore my uh, calf muscle on Friday. Oh, so, oh, oh no, no, doing what? Doing Taekwondo. Okay. Uh, I was about to say, figure bit. customization can't be that strenuous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, with an exacto knife. Uh, no, so, yeah, I felt like I'd been whacked across the back of the leg with a baseball bat. It was like, and I was terrified that I'd done something like an ACL or an Achilles, but it's just a, just a torn muscle, thankfully. Well, dude, if, you, if it was an ACL, we would have heard you screaming from here. In South Africa. <laughs> I think I did squeal a little. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure you did, and that's okay. <laughs> in my head, yeah. I may, maybe everybody else heard it. In my head, it was probably a whimper, but in the club, it was probably a full-on horror scare. Dogs in the neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh man, I'm sorry to hear that, but I uh, wish you a speedy recovery, bro. Right. And yeah, what's on the, the custom slab, or are you taking time out to recuperate your leg? Uh, well, I was in the middle of a project, but it's it's, it's more Warhammer 40k based than uh, action figure. Ah, that's still cool though. I mean, Warhammer 40k is coming up on, on the up and up again. Um, oh, but Henry Cavill producing a TV show. I mean. I'm very excited. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. And at least it's got somebody like Cavill who has some uh, artistic say in what goes on. Because when I heard it was uh, it was another Amazon production, I sort of instantly thought of like, uh, oh. ring, Rings of Power. Yeah. But then, yeah <laughs> oh, oh, no, okay. not another one of those. Yeah, I hope Dan Abnett is involved there somewhere. Is what, Polly? I'm just saying, I hope Dan Abnett is involved in the TV show somewhere. Oh God, I pray. Yeah. Well, I mean, the yeah. the, the money's on um, one of Abnett's novels being uh, dramatized. Um, I'm hoping for Gaunt's Ghost, if anybody knows that, because that is incredible. It's like a imagine a cross between Sharp. You know, the um, is it Brian Cornwell mm -hmm. and Band of Brothers, but set in the 40k universe. Oh, I want Crazy. that. Yeah, it'd be incredible. It's very human-based, but with little elements from all over the 40K world, like the encounter chaos, you get the odd space marine here, but it's very much based around a military unit of just unaltered humans. Hell yeah. And Stephen, how's it, how's it uh, back in Australia? I'm back in the land down under. <laughs> Guys, Mother my first spiders. Day, yeah. I had the trifecta. Thank you, Paul. You preempt me. I hit the Australian like triple play. Like you, you see these three sites, you know you're in Oz. A big ass mullet, <laughs> a full body tattoo, and massive, massive spiders. Ah. They are just, like, in a part of the world where the bird life actually swoops down at human beings. For spiders to just be kind of like flapping in the breeze between branches massive spiders that's pretty brazen hey i guess the spiders figure spider uh, i can take a bird <laughs> sounds like a movie like in a world where spiders hang from trees 
Dude, it's a horror story. Like, in Oz. Every tree I look up to, and I'm like, that is a massive web of nets. I mean, nets and oh. webs, whatever. It's just Mass like this webs. silken mass surrounding yeah. the tree. And like up in there are some massive, massive eight legged creatures of demonic hellspawn. <laughs> and then when a, like a strong wind comes, don't they like fly in the air a little bit as well? Like, oh lord, I hope not. <laughs> Flying spiders. <laughs> Stuff of no, apparently, some of them like ride the wind. Like they they pick up on strong winds. I know oh, that's right. big in India. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen the the the, the rain of 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 hairy eight legs. But no, no, they they stick to the trees. Fortunately, they just they just hanging out there, saying. <laughs> Gum, click, click, click. little fly um Gum, little crows. Said, we've made the move to brisbane uh it's a big city uh, there are actual comic book shops here and hey. toy shops like expect some fun stuff as i as i peel back the layers of this onion um but <laughs> as my buddy Zazel from Sergeant Slaughter's slaughterhouse complains very loudly um doesn't have much of a bar scene like you go to <laughs> any bar there's no live music there's just a bunch of people playing poker machines um that's a pretty sad sight but hopefully i don't know things are looking up it's not particularly cooler than than townsville was so i'm still going to be doing these podcasts in australia like ball sweat uh, <laughs> is the beach any good that's the On biggest line? shock of all perhaps but like you expect all of all australian towns to have access to the beach i mean like who lives in the interior of this country honestly um but brisbane seems to be a bit of a drive to get to any actual surf Jeez, um, I know. sunshine coast is i think an hour south of here and gold coast is an hour north of here which are also cities but very much premised on being beach towns um but brisbane itself not much, man. So how's There's that like... a better move? Sounds like a downgrade. <laughs> well, hey, man, it's not a one-horse. Look, like, no, 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 no slights on my previous um, dwelling, but Townsville, the the word they use in Australia is bogan. It's it's another word for like hick or I don't know, backwater. Um, it is, it's pretty, but uh, you know, it's 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 very industria it's very kind of just here in the states we call that west virginia <laughs> i'm laughing not because i know west virginia but because like that seems like the queue line oh yeah west virginia is that song isn't there yeah country road oh, got right. born and raised john denver was john full denver. of shit man <laughs> really do you just go there to die i can be there in an hour Oh, Darren Cobb, our Australian uh, expert, our local, our indigenous member. He uh, does say that hunt, hunt, well, he says hunties because he's Australian. Hunties, Everything is a, an abbreviation. Um, but uh, yeah, huntsmen do jump. So watch out. Damn. Guys, we are here with a very specific purpose because in 2023, Whoa. we decided that G.I. Joburg needs to tackle G.I. Joe media in a more structured way. We have undertaken in this episode to kick off a new segment where we talk about G.I. Joe comic books in sequence. However, the, se the sequence will be starting from issue number one. <laughs> 
But at the same time, because we're batshit crazy, we are starting from <laughs> issue 300. And we're basically working our way backwards and forwards till we meet in the middle or give up on this segment, whichever comes first. <laughs> you came up with that idea. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Because he lives yeah. down under. Everything's backwards. Oh, but you, you caught me wrong, brother. This wasn't my brainchild at all. But I am grateful that finally we're going to get some opinions out of Paul and Rob and you two gentlemen about issue 300. Mm. My views are already cast in iron, set in stone. They have been laid bare before the podcast gods, <laughs> bods, um, on uh, an episode of uh, Chaplain Assistance Motorpod. I will refer everyone to that. It'll be in the show notes below. But I am very curious to hear your thoughts, gentlemen. And we are going to kick things off with 300 because, guys, before we get our dessert, that is issue number one, Lady Doomsday, we've got to take our medicine. Uh, I don't want to eat my greens. Size, <laughs> bro. I'll make you big and strong, I guess. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll actually evaluate the merits of, of this entry in, into G.I. Joe history. Um, however, let's kick things off with a little summary. Uh, I am going to say that we are going to be flagrantly spoiling the issue 300 from IDW. And pretty much uh, every so, issue. So, once again, I urge you to take a scroll down. If you don't want to be spoiled, uh, we'll put a, a timestamp for when you can jump back in, uh, spoiler free. However, if like me, you wanted to be spoiled, um, uh, the guy who spoiled it for me is actually in the chats. Thank you, Darren. <laughs> uh, before I read it, I insisted he give me his honest <laughs> opinion. Um, and yeah, he's hashtag 300 still angry. Wait. And, uh, and, and can I just take two seconds quickly just to say hello to the bold force. I mean, bold force. Oh, that's my other force. <laughs> what? To the bold force. Got my on bad. the brain. I got, <laughs> my, I got everything on the brain. God, guys, you have no idea. It's great. But you, yes, you give the guy I just want to say here. what's up to the bold force. You guys, um, you know, I see all of you guys <laughs> in the chats and popping here up in there and just saying hello before we started off. And it's good to see Gaz. We missed you. And it's good to see Z uh, Zantana, uh, Zantara. Sorry, I nearly called you Zontana for some reason. Um, but there might be reasons for that. I don't know what they are. Um, and yeah, just and Budface69 just snuck in quickly just to say howdy. So yeah, it's good to see you guys. Um, it's also uh, good to, now that I'm seeing Budface69's uh, name in the chat, it's, it's good to say that I've finally seen Top Gun. But we're not going to talk about that at all because we're going to talk about issue 300. Got to eat our greens first, as it were. <laughs> Time for raisin cookies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Will you kick us off, sir, with um, your summary of issue 300? Okay, so, now, bearing in well, mind, I, I, Paul and Rob have not read issue 299 or any of the preceding issues within the IDW, IDW run. So this is uh -huh. going in blind and driving backwards. It's a pretty straight... I mean... The summary is pretty straightforward. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's thankfully it's a fairly straightforward issue in general, I feel. Okay, so during an extraction, so this is my interpretation of it. I mean, I don't know if it's completely correct because as we've said, I haven't read anything else. During, during an extraction of Cobra Commander from Serpento Khan controlled Cobra Island, the Joes learned the original Snake Eyes has been brought back from the dead. 
and Scarlett announced an impromptu rescue mission which puts the lives of everyone involved in the gravest of dangers as a desperate Serpentokan activates his mutant zombie bomb. <laughs> da, 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 da. That's da, not da, 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 da. No. <laughs> I'm so bad, Rob. That's that gets me pumped for the issue in ways that I I, I never was when I was originally reading it. Hell yeah! And, Can we I just mean, start calling I, him Snorpento? <laughs> well, yes, Serpento rocks a mustache, but that's nothing new. If you've watched that episode of the cartoon, my favorite things, where like his his facial hair tailors itself to to whatever accessory Serpento is holding. Do you remember uh, it? Yeah, yes. I recall that. Sure. Yes. But Rob, bravo, man. And I want to congratulate you because you did something that even IDW couldn't do, which was give an accurate summary of the events. The, <laughs> the, the, the blurb at the beginning of each of these issues, oh, this is a bit of a spoiler for you and Paul, but they didn't bother to change the text. <laughs> so clearly oh, like, no, no so one in editorial... The same text, yeah, for all four, all five issues of this um, this arc. So, bravo, man! <laughs> like, I I wished we'd had that. That info might have gotten me in the mood. Apparently, uh, Diana Davis, the understood. research specialist, uh, kind of missed out on the <laughs> detail, I guess. Oh, jeez! Don't no, name names, man. It might not be their, be their department, but yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have to name names. Um, they put the names to it, my dude. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so let's, let's let's crack open some early opinions. I want, firstly, to not set the tone too negatively. Going around the microphone, can anyone pluck some real positives out of this issue? Things that they enjoyed. Paul, kick us off, bro. Um, like seriously, I enjoyed seeing the Cobra jetpack. I thought that was really really cool, <laughs> and it being used and it being like deadly in the issue. I thought that was actually pretty cool. And I think the art is actually not too bad. Really? Yeah, I like the vehicles. I thought the vehicles were really well uh, well done. And a, a lot of the composition <laughs> on the shots is great. I just well, find the characters' faces and stuff to be a bit... Well, well, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone that's um, involved in dialogue always seems to be drawn screaming. Everybody's yes. shouting it. You, know, you, you read each piece of dialogue and it's like you just... It's all it's all in capitals in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drop that ball now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, literally. There's some great I mean but there are some great like like big um like shots. I mean like panels, which I think Stephen is showing off one of them now. Um, which is a big shot with the whale and all the characters like now we're gonna take down Cobra if we take down Serpento Khan and Mindbender. We're gonna win the day. It's it's a cool shot, and I I actually think I do enjoy um, the suspiciously named Esel Galant um, as the artist. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy his artwork overall. It, mm. It's it's very really yeah. loose, shouting, but simultaneously it's also very detailed where it needs to be. Mm. With shouty faces. Okay, all the faces are shouting for sure, but yeah. like he, he he finds the focus on the important details, and he allows the rest to be filled in by your brain. Like he, he doesn't mm. waste time filling in every single detail. He kind of gives you you what you need, and you just fill it in with the rest, which I think. And also, he mm. tells good. Uh, there's good action. There's some good action um, panels, which um, 
To be fair, Jim, to your criticism about the shoutiness, I mean, you said it, Rob, like good action. It's action all the way, practically from page one right through the end. It does. The pulse doesn't drop. There isn't sort of a a quiet, pensive moment unless you count Snake Eyes and well, the oh man, the Snake Eyes clone (laughs) um, smooching his true love Scarlet. Which one? (laughs) I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, that was very confusing. All, all us must... uh, sweaty fanboys were hoping it would be Dawn. <laughs> he must he must never know that he is a clone. He's standing right there, but let's have this discussion about him anyway. Is one of my favorite he moments. Don't care, book. man. Clearly it's it's all um a b- pretty in- Oh, what is it? A, a superficial relationship. It's like you look like Snake Eyes, you smell like Snake Eyes, you have Snake Eyes' memory. Okay, I'll bone you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, yeah, you'll see earlier on in the issue. I mean, I don't want to go into, bl- but that was one thing that I thought was like really stupidly annoying. It's like you got this no, opening no, no, shot no. of Snake Eyes in some kind of green goo. Absolutely. It's fully yes, costumed, by the way. So they even cloned his <laughs> costume. <laughs> um, his uniform, outfit, whatever, and then uh, Snorpentor and Mindbender are having this whole conversation about him being a clone, and he must never know that he's a clone, but he's like right there next to them, right <laughs> next to them. I'm yeah, like, the ears work. But guys. Paul, Paul, hang on, man. We we were still in the midst of doing like a let's pull out one positive thing. Rob thinks that the art is <laughs> delightful. I think the art in general is quite good. Paul, we'll we'll circle back to you. Um, Bart, do you want to have something nice to say? Uh, There were little tidbits in there, but I guess for me, the only super good thing is the book's going to continue. I can only hope it's going to get better from here because like the last three years were total poop. Uh, I've been vocal about that before. I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that later. Um, but spoilers, it ends on a cliffhanger to be continued, which I, I of course have opinions on that, but at least that says that we have something going forward. And that's the only good thing I'm going to get out of that. Nice. The future looks bright or another way of saying it is there's only one way and that's up. (laughs) Jim, tell me brother, uh, you've just read this, I I believe. Yeah. Um, and, God. Um, I mean, I, I gave up reading around issue, I don't know, maybe 180. Mm. And the only positive I got. What from pushed this, you off? Sorry, I, I need to know. 180 is still pretty early into the run. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was, it was boring. Yeah. Right. The, um, and it was contrived. And the writing just seemed to be meandering. And that's the only positive I've got from this is that the dialogue is snappier than I remember it being when I gave up. Mm. When I gave up, I I tried to read it again. And, you know, you know, when something is just a slog and you start skim reading and then you start skipping speech bubbles and it's... It was slow and stodgy, and this, this, I thought it was a little bit more, a little bit sharper than what I actually had in my mind. I thought, oh, okay, that's that's you that's one positive. 
like the special mission ones Larry did a couple issues back where it was like he just focused on Stalker and a couple other guys because those are like a snapshot of him or, or I should say of Larry in Vietnam like I could see Larry actually going through this and then he put that onto paper and I think mm. I read somewhere where he said writing those books was like really emotional for him um so I'll, I'll have to see about uh, sending you some of those. Th those were good. Everything else with the blue ninjas and all that stuff is just yeah. poop. Yeah, it was all that revanche stuff. It was just yeah. like, I was like, what am I reading here? This, this <laughs> it, bear, it bears no relation to the G.I. Joe of the 1980s yeah, to me. X-Men and G.I. Joe. Exactly, yeah. It felt like a superhero book. Mm -hmm. All right, Paul. Say something nice. Well, the one nice thing, I, I, I meant it when I said I liked the whole jetpack thing. I thought that was, I really thought <laughs> oh, it was that cool. one. That was a cool, no, no, but it was a cool moment. It was a cool moment. Where it gets no shot down out. by Scarlet. And, and I'm with Rob on the art. Like, yeah, but that's fine. You know, like it's meant to get shot down. At least it had some time in the sun. Um, and I'm with Rob with the art. Like I enjoyed the art for the most part. I think it's a well-drawn book. It's a very kinetic, and I really enjoy a lot of the bigger splash pages. I think they're very strong, especially when that his tank gets like smothered. Um, that was great. It was it was just cool. Like it, it's a cool book in a lot of ways in terms of how it looks. You know, it looks fun. I'm not so big on like Serpento's like whole mustache design, but anyway, we're staying positive here. Another positive would be. Um, <clears throat> yeah, on, like, Paul. I'm Did a little bit like a ninja turtle. <laughs> Is that the ooze? That's the ooze. <laughs> I enjoyed seeing, um, there's Hell like yeah. a scene where Snake Eyes decapitates a Night Viper with the Alley Viper shield. Mm, yeah. Which is kind of cool. It just kind of, it speaks to my <laughs> childish sensibilities. Um, but yeah, th those would be like my, my major positives. Uh, the the pages are like well laid out. But I've got some questions. I've got lots of questions. Um, I know, and... after this, there's tons of questions. Because I mean, like fortunately, there's a lot of characters we recognize. But I mm. feel like there's also characters we don't know. Like Serpento Khan. Um, I, myself, aren't familiar with Wade. I thought at first it was Lowlight, and I remember that's not his name. Um, I thought it was Laura is yeah. a new addition. Oh, Beachhead, yeah. Um, Dawn, I know of. Um, Sean, yes. I wasn't. Sh I have no idea who the hell Sean is. But fortunately, there are enough Maybe. characters that you do know in the story that you can kind of still keep going. What is this? Yes, this is still G.I. Joe. I recognize enough, even though I have no idea what. Hey? I said there's three snake eyes there for you, mate. What was the question? No, there's three. There's, there's three snake eyes. Thing. There's a whole it's, three snake eyes just for you. Take your pick. All for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure this character's in there. That one you was know, never enough. Three in. Well, uh, one is snake eyes <laughs> or Kamakura or knockdown, like whatever the freaking name he goes by per panel. Yeah. You have to. Time they seem to have settled Sean. on calling him Sean, like even in the heat of battle, which. Yeah. Also, kind of <laughs> makes mincemeat of a plot point from from issues back, where they were like, "No, we need Cobra to believe that this yeah. is Snake Eyes. That Snake Eyes is never truly dead." Um, but they still call him Sean, like in the presence of Cobra. In the oh, no. oh. Well, we've learned that Cobra's <laughs> deaf because they can't hear anything three feet away, so they're good. 
<laughs> Darren Cobb says, did you have to put that tank picture up? I'm trying to work here and it looks bad <laughs> if I'm smashing things out of rage. <laughs> Throw down for five, six. <laughs> uh, I love it. I mean, I know that this is probably Darren's favorite uh, issue just because of how much <laughs> like all the time. It was just... Yeah, but also like Sean, really. Um, I have, like I said, I have questions uh, because uh-huh. I don't want to poo-poo the book because it kind of feels like an easy target um, in some respects for that. But firstly, like, why are they using that whale, and why are like why are the Joes using a vehicle that is technologically inferior to everybody else's technology in the battlefield? Like, I know I love a vintage vehicle on comic pages just as much as the next guy, but this is where I side very um, strongly with Steven and that you should try to keep the G.I. Joes stuck in the 80s and, like, 90s to make it really relevant because if you start taking oh, it in the future... For things, a second, yeah. I, I thought you were painting me in the corner of, like, they shouldn't be using the whale. I'm like, no, no, we like the whale. We want to see the whale. No, I want to see the whale. I just... Like it annoyed you me just to want see, to see the day. team kind of anachronistic. You want to see them back in the day. Yeah, I've, not, I've not move like, them into the the now. Yeah, because yes, I just, I don't on know, the one hand, we've got off. like up to the date, up to the minute kind of drones, and then yeah, the we've launch. still got. Yeah. Oh, and we've got lifelike bats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are com- like Terminator style. They are com- or Terminatrix style. They completely or uh, blend in. Style. From mm. Austin Powers. <laughs> but then um, we've got the throwback that is the whale and the C-130 and all that jazz. Yeah, the yeah. C-130 still makes visual sense for me. I mean, even the Cobra jetpack, like, it's cool to see it, but it's a clunker. You know, it looks it looks out of place. But then again, we haven't really invented a jetpack nowadays, so it's still pretty much in the future for us, I suppose. Like, that kind of stuff is just a bit weird. Um, and... Yeah, the other question, I mean, I have no idea what's going on with this casino. I didn't even know what the hell was going on in the story. I was just like, wow, this this book is basically, I mean, if I summarized, it would have been like episode 300, a bunch of Joes, shooty, shoot, shoot at a bunch of Cobras, and then we left on a cliffhanger. That's literally my summary of this book. You comic book guys, <clears throat> not me, um, is it not a thing in the world of comics that that the big numbers, the 100s, the 200s, the 300s, the 500s, the issue 1000, it's designed primarily as a jump on point because Mm. people fixate on the big round numbers. If they want to get into a Batman run, they're going to start with like a big round number. Yeah. Right. Plus they know people are going to buy that issue because it is that big number. So it's like a twofold, you know, it could have money value in the future, but it's also a good jumping on point for Uh somebody. So, Paul, Rob, Jim, did you feel like those details were unimportant? Like the stuff that you didn't understand in the continuity, you could kind of issue and like still enjoy the action beats? Or did you feel like, no, man, this is a terrible jumping on point? Yeah. Rob? (laughs) Well, I, like like ignoring the stuff that I didn't understand, for me in general, it was a a fairly decent issue. Like the action was fine. Um, I had a good idea of what was going on, but I think Larry is usually very good with getting across like what's happening. Um, and also, I mean, it still feels 
even though it's, it's not the same, but it still feels very similar to issue one in that they're obviously trying to extract someone um, and there is some sort of like secretly weird shit going on at the same time. Um, but obviously you're not as good as number one. Um, but I, I felt I could understand what was going on without needing to know who Sean was, who Wade was. Um, mm. uh, who Laura was. Serpentor Khan was. I mean, you could just kind of go along with it. Um, so for me, at least, I felt like I, I, I could get along with it fine. Like I wasn't like confused the whole time. There is like one irritating characterization that like stuck up on me, and I don't know, Bart, Jim, Steve, Rob, I don't know if this got to you guys, but like Serpentor is literally going, this is really bad. We have to do something. This is, I, this is so horrible. I, we need to make a plan. I'm like, this is not Serpentor. Serpentor's like, shit goes down, and he starts like slapping bitches. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I just thought his characterization was completely off. That really annoyed me because he's kind of a get shit done kind of person, you know? So, is this a know. totally different character then to Serpentor? It must be. It feels like it is. <laughs> yeah. All I can say yeah. is stick around for the previous issue <laughs> or previous couple <laughs> of issues, or you, you might get your wish because, uh, yeah, you, you might see a, a complete about face of that character within the yeah, span they, of one or they, two issues. They tell you how the soup is made. So they, they realized that Serpentor was a bad idea. So they just took one badass leader and decided to clone him, but brainwash his soup into being uh, subservient to Cobra, which of course goes wrong. Yeah. So why not pick Alexander it the Great? It always goes wrong. They'd never learn. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the other thing with all this soup stuff, the one thing I don't understand with Snake Eyes is we'd have to go back through however many issues to figure out when was the last time he was in the brainwave scanner to see when the last copy of him was made. Because this one just poops out of his his cocoon and there's there's no like WTF moment, you know, like he he just all of a sudden just goes, oh, I need to start killing Cobras. You know, when, when was... <laughs> When was his last reboot? Because that's <laughs> what his last memory should be, right? You know, like, hmm. does he even know who Don Moreno is and why she's cosplaying as him? Like, I think the, lo the logic of all this brainwashing is just, it's, it's just gone out the window, hasn't it? It's been going on for so long yeah. that it doesn't make any sense anymore. That's why I'm moving forward. I, I want to see some progression with these characters. Get rid of the brainwave scanner, all these ninjas. Like, Get some focus and, and get Joe's yeah. killing Cobras again instead of all this ninja force crap. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, guys know me. I love me some ninja action, but it needs to get out of the book for a while in a big way. Mm. I think. I mean, and that's just from reading the one issue. <laughs> <laughs> I think this should have been the getting off point. For the whole storyline and the reboot should have started again mm. next issue yeah. you know i, I just yeah, it, this it, into it does it. feel like that mm. well it doesn't entice me to start buying gi joe again at all yeah because there's a little bit too much backstory to, to jump onto you know like mm. why are they here why is there a casino that's built um you know with all these weird female ninjas to me they should have built a pterodrome and then just slapped a skin on it that looked like a casino you know dress up the inside or whatever and then if the joes attacked it all that stuff just goes away and you have a pterodrome right there but he actually 
built a legitimate casino. Like that just didn't make any sense to me. And Jim, to address your points of this being a, a jumping off, uh, you know, mm. an end to the series, you're absolutely right. I mean, all the hints are there. Everything seems to be wrapping up, and then we have a uh, a hit on the the C130 instead of like a sort of a denouement. Um, and then that uh, starts yeah, plummeting. It. It, it, it has to do with the fact that I think Larry had scripted this issue, and then received the news that he was getting a new contract at a new publisher to be. You know, made public at a later date, so it was no longer the end of ARA. It was just the end of the IDW ARA run. So yeah. it's it's a it's a bit of a half baked conclusion. So, yeah, yeah. It's more of a handover. Is, yeah, mm. but with that, if you own IDW, wouldn't you want to go out on a bang? Like, no, I want to see crap blowing up. Joe's kicking Cobra's butt. It was just like they they were okay with it being a cliffhanger. If I owned the company, I'd be like, no, I want some kind of like all out finale. You know, it could oh. lead into the next series. That's fine. But I want some definitive wrap up in my last issue. You don't mm -hmm. have control over Larry. And if he's already penning the script, everything in 300. I'm cutting his check. I yeah. own his ass. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because I mean, he's still working towards and you know for the current editorial team, so he has to produce something that they're happy with. So it does kind of feel like disingenuous to uh, leave it on a cliffhanger, because at least there's the first hundred and fifty whatever ended on an actual, you know, it ended. There was a proper ending there. Well, this is like, if it doesn't continue, then what? You've you've literally ended your entire, you know, your half of Iraq no, on a cliffhanger. It doesn't have to have a hard ending. I'm just saying a good ending mm. to this arc. You know, the yeah. Joes come in, they assault the casino, big fight, whatever. Boom, Serpentor Khan's killed. 301, we're starting a new arc. Well, yeah, just jumping forward a minute. Just think about the ending to issue one. That whole issue is one perfect mini movie condensed yeah. into, yeah, a single mm. story with an open ending, but... A definite conclusion, and you know, you can have both, can't you? I'd agree with that. Maybe we've had enough medicine by now, gentlemen. Oh, because, thank God. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hankering for that perfectly contained. <laughs> oh, me issue. too. Me too. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Okay. Well, has everyone had, had a me. fair go talking about 300 and their, their concerns? Um, I, I have, mean, we could go I, on and on, but yeah, Paul, I just want to, I want to drop in one small thing about 300 quickly. Um, you basically, you said that like Larry Harmo had like written it when the C like 130 gets hit, right? And then mm. he had to obviously pivot because of whatever. So, so technically Larry Harmo was just going to kill all the Joes in the C-130. Is that no, kind of I disagree. I think oh. I think everything after Snake Eyes and Scarlet are reunited would have been the wrap up, <laughs> the the final assault oh, right. on on the base. Um, it would have been one of those very swift Larry conclusions. But yeah, it would have been a kind of a happy ending. The lovers are reunited. Cobra is defeated. The bats are smoldering ruins. The the casinos you know shambles. Like the C one thirty would have made a combat drop. Like we'd see the right. Wolverine, okay. the the vamp, like roll out, and it would have all been all guns blazing. It would have given you both what you wanted from three hundred. 
Yeah, and well, I'm then, surprised that C-130 didn't fall out of the sky because it's got way too many vehicles in it. I've, I've been in enough C-130s to know how big they are. You, you don't put tanks in them. But, well, as I said to you offline or in the private chats or wherever it sprang up, Bart, these are toy vehicles. They are <laughs> smaller, lighter, faster. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, I, I've yeah, also, I'm, a, I'm a civilian, but I've also been inside a C-130 and it's like, yeah, shit, man. You ain't parking anything in there. One Jeep, maybe. And then there's no space for anybody. Larry did know this was coming up. And he, so he says he writes issue to issue. Uh, I think that this wrap-up could have been a little bit better. You know, if you had five issues to know what was going on, why would you leave it as a cliffhanger? Only maybe to get sales for the next publisher, you know, because now you're hooked. Now you have to buy that guy's book. I, I just think that the to be continued was a bad choice. Hmm. Yeah, well, I've, I've got something to that. say about the structure of, of Larry writing a five-parter that it just doesn't make sense. I mean, the guy, as we all know, writes by the seat of his pants. So if he's got the ending kind of half in mind and he's got like three more issues to get to that point to make up the, you know, the, 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 the what do you call it? The collected edition, the... Um, Trade, trade paperback thank you um yeah. <laughs> if he's got three more issues to get to that point boy oh boy you are going to be running in place for three issues mm. uh, his writing style really doesn't lend to that type of writing you know if you're writing book to book you're not really thinking hey i got six issues to wrap this thing up so Buttface is going to challenge you on that point with the C-130, Bart, and me for that matter, that the a C-130 could carry a Sheridan, which is an armored vehicle. Uh, it's an it's, armored uh, troop, uh, infantry vehicle, isn't it? In any case, it can't carry a, a belly full of uh, wolverines and vamps and troops. Um, but anyway, we can tie this shit, guys. It's, not a it's always bigger on the inside. And then two <laughs> vehicles jammed in there beside it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think with that said and done, let's shift focus to something that it's just sublime. Um, uh -oh. I, I think it is absolutely the perfect first issue. It is absolutely the perfect um, like blowout. It is the perfect like franchise or toy um marketing tool because somehow like through a deal with the devil or something everything gets a little bit of time in the sun this entire toy line is evident on the pages of issue one and that to a toy guy is extremely gratifying let's talk issue one and my man Yay. paul is going to bring yes. us a, a summary a summary and it's a very long it's a long summary Ooh, but it is less than 300 words <laughs> of course. Okay. So I'm just going to, uh, you know, because it's me, I want to be a little bit dramatic. So it's, welcome to a world of political intrigue, next level technology, and military adventure as we start our first mission with G.I. Joe issue one. And I titled it A Double Bind. Dr. Burkhart, a brilliant scientist who was unwittingly involved in the creation of a superweapon capable of destroying all life on the planet, has turned against those who are responsible. Labeled as a traitor, Dr. Burkhardt tries desperately to exonerate herself, but is kidnapped by Cobra, a well-organized and fanatic group of terrorists. 
A crack military force known as G.I. Joe is sent in to rescue Dr. Burkhardt before her secrets can be extracted by Cobra. The government, top brass, them, it's not really clear, also don't want her to die. This would be really bad, but we don't really know why, because there have been many martyrs and yet the government still stands. Snake Eyes is seen at least five times in this first issue. G.I. Joe manages to success, oh, yep, and then we get into, G.I. Joe manages to successfully infiltrate the Cobra uh, Island base where they encounter many traps. Thankfully, Cobra was not prepared for a guy on a jetpack who thankfully lays waste to everyone. There is some tank stuff later, but it's really not important. Cobra Commander, Scarlet, and Snake Eyes have their first date and are chaperoned by Dr. Burkhardt, who gets shot. Bummer. Scarlet and Snake Eyes save the good doctor. The Joes manage to escape the island by way of helicopter. Issue one. So, it's a very cynical take, and I'm sorry to all the Joe fans out there who are expecting this to be amazing. My goodness, Paul. <laughs> Ripped it to Just shreds. Steaming dump on my childhood. Or did he? Uh, I <laughs> only read this issue in my 20s. Uh, Same. Yeah, early G.I. Joe comic books were not a thing in my life up until the recent past. Bart, were you reading this back in 82? Uh, no, more like mid 83 ish. Oh, jeez. Um, well, we'll, we'll give it to I was you. Born. You were there. It, it was we'll like a give good a year. year. <laughs> yeah, it was a good year or so into it because we would go to the store and on the spinner rack, you would get, um, it was like a, like a baggie and it would have three issues in it. So I would periodically get those and that's how I would read it up until I think it was like 48, 49 where I actually went to the comic book shop and was like, I need this. And, uh, you know, got my pool box from there. So up until then, it was just wherever I could find them, how I could find them, because I had no idea you could just go to a, a comic book shop and buy back issues. Cool. Nice. Well, great. So, I mean, you actually have childhood memories of this issue, which is oh yeah, a delight. Like, did it set the tone for how you would play with G.I. Joe? Because yep. for me, this is the perfect mission. They can't just overrun the island with Marines. They can't mm. just drop bombs on it. Like, it's so insulated. It's a very clever premise. They need to get this woman. They can't just silently snuff her because it's, a, it's an international scandal. She has the secret to this doomsday device in her head. It's only a matter of time before uh, Cobra extract it. So that's the ticking clock. There's a civilian mm. population on the island. There's also a massive Cobra garrison. So it has to be a team of highly trained operatives, very quick, but also devolves into a bit of a tank battle. Like whenever I was sort of dreaming up premises to play G.I. Joe, how the hell I would work in like tanks was, was the big challenge because G.I. Joe operates as like a very quick assault force they're they're dropped in by air or by jets or by helicopters they do their thing they get extracted how then do you work in a mobat appearing on the battlefield or a mauler like my desire for a little bit of realism always struggled with that but here it's very handsomely handled uh, by a, a kind of a, a non-toy vehicle a landing craft which damn it we needed we needed that toy but anyways i once again just pour praise on this structure 
this issue? I just, I just can't believe that. I mean, I've read this issue a few times, um, you know, from my 20s, I'd say mid 20s till now. Um, and I can't believe I, and maybe it's just because, you know, you have a whole graphic novel in front of you and, you know, and maybe it's just because of how I, how I read it because I didn't have uh, graphic novels one and two. I sort of started with the third one, which I think is around, it's a lot of Zartan shenanigans. I think start kick, uh, kicking <laughs> in there. But anyway, the, I digress. If, if you go back to that first issue and you read it and you know that there's this G.I. Joe that comes out uh, afterwards and whatever, your mind is filling in a lot of the blanks. And when I did the summary for this issue, I decided to divorce myself completely from it and be, I'm not a G.I. Joe fan. I want to approach it as somebody who's maybe a bit, a bit cynical and maybe just taking it for what it is. And this book does fail on one very important thing. Dr. Burkhart being captured by Cobra and having her secrets extracted is a huge threat, okay? But not being able to kill her is not very well put together in the comic book. It's uh, like the government is like, okay, we can't execute her. Why can't you execute her? Like, honestly, why? Like, if you kill her, they'll just do a cover-up anyway. So why is it such a big thing? It's it's not. It's Because so it's a politics. kids. No, true. <laughs> but then also politics were very different in the 80s, I imagine, as well. So it had, must have also read or resonated <laughs> differently. Um, you know, hearing, like having the uh, American military assassinate somebody might have, I mean, nowadays, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that the American government has taken credit for assassinating anybody, but I'm not saying that they completely <laughs> denied it either. So I just kind of felt like, well, yeah. So was G.I. Joe then brought in as a moral imperative? And that's the thing where it starts getting muddy. If you look at it from a very cynical, very clinical point of view, it gets very, very muddy. And so that part of it takes me out a little bit because I'm like, okay, well, why don't the Joes just kill her? Like, if she's really that much of a problem and really that much of a threat, why don't they just kill her? Oh, but they can't. But why? And so that's the only thing It'd that would be a very short it. book, dude. This exactly. is a size issue. <laughs> no, I hear you. So, like, I feel like the donkey is being pulled. Like, I feel in the story the donkey is being pulled, but the donkey is not being pushed properly. Oh, my I'm, God. So said no Joe fan ever. Paul, the door is that way. Uh, Jim? <laughs> Pour some praise on this book, man. <laughs> you were getting ready to speak, and then Paul took a giant, a giant turn on this. Thing. <laughs> Guys, I don't mind if your opinion is different to mine on this. No, no, no. I, yeah. I mean, that one plot point has sunk this issue for you, Paul. That's, that's... The Joes are Delta Force. Is that really Delta Force's mission? Is like, hey, let's just go assassinate people left and right. Well, you tell well, me, maybe it is. You tell us. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not in the unit. I can't tell you. I, I've... I, yeah, I can't tell you. You'd have so to tell us. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I, I've, I've been privy to, to some, some stuff, but never unit type level stuff. So I, I don't know how they operate, but to me, Delta Force aren't assassins. They're yeah, problem solvers. Nice. Yeah, nice. I buy that. Jim, how, what was your reception of this issue? Uh, I assume you didn't get issue one in the UK. It was uh, kind of a retrospective find. Yeah, I got it. So I was, I must have been, I don't know what, 11 or 12 when I got it, maybe 12. I got a copy of the, um, the Tales of G.I. Joe reprint. Oh, yes. 
and that was probably around when issue about issue 60 of the main run came out. I don't know what year that is. Oh wow. Uh so yeah, I got to I got to read it young. But um I love all the geopolitical stuff at the start. I think it, it feels it feels very on point for that kind of period of the 80s. Mm. When you said you, know, you, you have all these congressional hearings and stuff about, you know, corruption within the government and, you know, the, think about the, the Contra scandal and stuff like that. Mm. Reagan's yeah. take no shit policies. Yeah, but I, I can understand that. I get the impression that assassinating somebody so sort of, um, so, with such a sort of provocative position would be very difficult. I like I like the way it's structured like that. And only the Joes can be trusted with such a sensitive mission. Yeah, but even yeah. even the Joes, anyone else would watch it. Like, yeah, Stalker wants to Stalker wants to bomb the island, and Short Fuse. <laughs> well, they both call her a traitor out out and out, don't mm. they? Then Snake Eyes wants to assassinate her with a a shot from the window when her him and Scarlet are scaling the side of the building. So. I mean, it seems. I don't. Know, I don't know who's reining the Joes in. <laughs> they don't want to kill her, but they. Uh, well, their moral it? compass seems to be guided by who? By Hawk. Well, their duty. Yes, yeah. it is, yes, it is. Yeah, Hawk, by Hawk. Well, wasn't it established later on, whenever she made her reappearance, that there was like some kind of subtext that her and Hawk had kind of a thing going on? So if what? you re if you really? rewind that, that's how I kind of read it. There there was a point where they had to hmm. uh, rescue her again, and I, I to me I got the impression that maybe her and Hawk had a thing going on back in the day. So if you rewind that back to issue number one, you know maybe Hawk's not telling his guys, "Hey, whack this chick," because you know him and her have have a past relationship. Hmm. I, I also pick think that up at all. Wow, but but also but, he's following orders. He's been ordered to risk her. That's reading a lot into something that wasn't even established in issue number one. And I doubt whenever she made her reappearance later that yeah, Larry. But if you even just go off issue one, it just off of that, I I don't think Hawk would would want her killed. I also think it's worth mentioning that um, there was a lot of political stuff going on in the 80s when it comes to the military and, and the military industrial complex and blah, blah, blah. There was, I think a lot of it started there because it was all post Vietnam and post Korea. Mm. Um, so I think uh, it was very important for a military book to say, listen, the rules say that we can't kill her. You know, whereas good Hollywood guys. was going, yeah, whereas Hollywood was going, we've got to kill her. And then like Charlie Sheen's like, I can't kill her. <laughs> you know, like, She's a civilian, you know? So, like, Hollywood was trying to tell the story of, like, you know, fuck the system. Um, it's the man, it's the soldier who, you know, he has to make the moral choices on the battlefield. And then the comic book is, like, telling the opposite, which I feel is a little bit agenda-based. And I don't mean that, like, ooh, cookie, like, foil hats or anything, but I think Hasbro and Marvel had to play it very, very, very carefully when they did a military book. Um, and had to sort of play by the rules there a little bit. So that's why I think that exists uh, as well. Like I think Larry does chuck in a lot about sort of 
every citizen's right under the constitution mm. to disagree with the government. He drops that in quite a lot in the first kind of 50 issues, and I think he drops just, it in a couple of times here. Yeah. So it's, so it's that is there. Yeah. So it's yeah. I think it it is it's setting a bit of a sort of a moral precedent to GI Joe, isn't it? And at the end, Burkhart says, at least, you know, I now know there's people in the Pentagon sort of with a good heart, I don't know how she words it, with a decent heart or something, or who care. Because she used to bone them. (laughs) (laughs) Just start with that part, will (laughs) you? But to get away from, like, like scandalous thinking and the sort of agenda talk and whatever, and the cynicism that's coming from my side on this, I would like to say that I really do like how they paint Cobra's like sort of lethality, you know, like how dangerous Cobra is. I love that. The fact that she is on a train and this is why I feel like not really knowing who her enemies are is kind of a a bit of a wasted opportunity. But the fact that she's on a moving train to deliver this press conference means that they really wanted to make her uh, like a hard target to kidnap, assassinate, whatever. And Cobra manages to get that right. And it's awesome, you know? And I love how terrifying the Baroness is in that kind of... Opening. Yeah, she is mean, and it's great. And I, I think all of that stuff comes together and really, really well. The Baroness is and leading this mission. It's not, you know, Scarface or Major Blood or whatever. It's a chicken leather. Like, that, that says a lot about Cobra, that a mission this important, they send a, a female in back in the 80s when you didn't have females in, in roles like that a lot. Yeah. They were often just there to make the big bad look better, you know? Um, but yeah, that that's a very, very cool thing. The art is a high point for me. I really love the art in, in this book. And uh, it's worth mentioning, you know, if you read the graphic novels of this uh, where they've been retouched and recolored, those feel very soulless by comparison. You know, if you look at these, mm. which are, we've been reading scans. I mean, I don't have my graphic novel collection here. I've been reading scans of these images that have been scanned of the original comic books. And, you know, even though there's Moya pattern and whatever that's happening from, you know, from scan, it just looks so much prettier. It just feels better. It, I don't know how to, how to really quantify it. It's just it's more analog and, it, and it's better mm. for it. It's kind of um, softer, isn't it? Yeah. And sort it of more, feels- it, it looks almost textured when in comparison exactly. to yeah, the reprints, yeah. Exactly that. And I think if they had just done that with the reprints and just oh, hd the had. hell out of it, it would have just been yeah. beautiful. They didn't have to mess with it, but they did. And that does take away some of... And, and I'm going to moan about the graphic novels a lot um, during this series. So, yeah. So, Steve, don't get me wrong, dude. I don't hate this issue. And, guys, I don't hate this issue. I just, like I said, I wanted to go into it with a very cynical approach. And also, by my admittance, I'll tell you guys straight, the first 20 I- issues of G.I. Joe are not my favorite comics to read. Oh. <laughs> Me, it picks up We're much later. Hit. I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think this, okay. is a bit of a, this is a bit of a gem within the first 20 to me. Well, the first half of the book is just like a cool, uh, I don't know, like movie type mission. But then the hot potato at the end is just straight up action. That's beautiful. I actually did write a summary for that. Hmm. Um, Should we address Hot Potato then? Because this is something that doesn't get talked about, not nearly enough. There was a backup story in issue one called Hot Potato, which, yeah, as as mentioned, it's all out action uh, with a little bit of insight into some of the personal relationships 
within G.I. Joe because it's a that focus could... story primarily on three of the characters, but there are three supporting characters as well. So we mm -hmm. get a little bit of a, a little more from Hawk and Stalker and Clutch, and then a lot more from Rock and Roll, Scarlet and Snake Eyes. We see the first inklings that there might be a little more to the Snake Eyes Scarlet relationship than, than we'd anticipated. And it's interesting to note that it was right there in issue one. Yeah. It wasn't something so, that yeah, developed so, later. Like it was always destined to be a thing. So mm. Paul, hit us with your summary. Let me take it away. Hot potato. A special mixtape made by a fanatic lord is taken by a Geo Joe uh, by a Geo Joe team who must get it across the desert and over the border. The Joes won't let anything stop them from completing their mission. When Scarlet is injured on the battlefield, she must make a tough call. Every Joe knows what could happen when they leave for a mission, but that doesn't mean they have to let it happen. Tensions are high as Snake Eyes, Rock and Roll, and Scarlet wrestle between duty, friendship, and camaraderie. Fanaticism, uh, fanaticism is the core of the story and is explored from multiple perspectives. The final battle is pulse-pounding and heartfelt, and seeing a Meg get slain by a vamp is the third coolest thing in this tale. <laughs> Hot potato. Hot potato. I loved this, by the way. You're okay. interesting. Rock I absolutely magazine loved fed machine gun. <laughs> yeah, that is one hell of a big <laughs> pistol grip. <laughs> if you can nag him, yeah, that's uncomfortable. Can we consider this the first special missions episode then? It feels yeah. it, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Because we don't know when this takes place, but obviously it's after the first issue because they're quote Joes. Mm -hmm. I disagree. No. I think they were Joes from before the first issue. Right. This could have yeah. taken place before then. Because they called in the Joes to get Burkhart. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah the, I like this one so much. Doesn't necessarily mean it was their very first mission, does it? Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's something I also feel like issue one doesn't do very well. Just quickly, just jumping back there, you know that these guys are bad mumbo <laughs> jumbo, right? It all. <laughs> so, no, no, no. Oh, but you know that they're bad. They're bad asses. Yeah. But you, you all get just the feeling that they. <laughs> sorry, but they just met uh, met like a week ago. That's how it feels. In Hot Potato, it feels like these guys have been through the dirt, and yeah. it's awesome. And I really love this, like, this moment of stoicism from Scarlet, where she's all like, go. And Snake Eyes is like backing her up, you know, because he's following orders and doing what he needs to do. Then they run, like, as they run off and whatever, you know, Snake Eyes goes, wait, hold on. <laughs> what am I doing? But then only later, later on, when you get to the end of the book, what, She's actually really happy. You don't think it was Snake Eyes' plan all along to go back for Scarlet? I definitely, I think it was or it definitely is, but I don't think Scarlet knew that. Play chicken with or psychological warfare with rock and roll to make sure that he keeps running. It's like you keep running, other or otherwise I'm going to shoot you, boy. Well, I think that, but I also like the idea of later on Scarlet kind of re regrets that making that call. Like that hmm. was like a really shit call for her to make, and I. And and you feel that she's like oh, and when when she sees Snake Eyes coming back, she's like oh, I'm so glad, you know, I got sand in my eye. You know, <laughs> so like, but I really appreciate that, and that was cool. That like humanity coming through there, and the fact that this feels more like a character story, and and maybe it's because I gravitate towards more character driven story. You know, like I love being with the characters and taking characters through. I also kind of feel like Larry Homer, uh, I enjoyed writing this more somehow. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, 
I don't know. It's just that just feels more fun and loose and and exciting. And because it's a love story. No, it's because it's a story about duty. Like it's it's it about is. yeah. But that's also Snake Eyes's girlfriend. For one, he's not going to leave a person behind. We we get that he's shown yeah. us that before. But this is also his chick, so he's doubly not going to leave her there by herself. Totally. Yeah, that's how he lost his voice. That's how he got scarred. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose. Yeah. From. I mean, listen, guys. I might be like totally jaded, but like that <laughs> Scarlet Snake Eyes love thing right now is kind of non-existent in my brain right now. Just maybe because I'm just super jaded by it. So I, I actually <laughs> didn't even think of that. Um, uh, but uh, but I didn't think of that at all. I was just like, yeah, Snake Eyes is a good dude. <laughs> 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 extra points yeah. from me because they draw attention to the concealed pistol on the oh, inside yeah. of Scarlet's <laughs> wrist. Like, that's bringing such fine toy detail into this book. Just really make me miss the days when this book was there to sell toys. Like being a what? toy guy and seeing such loving detail inserted into G.I. Joe Media it's very gratifying. But that's enough from me. Rob, I haven't heard a peep out of you, dude. Mm. Please can you, offer an opinion on this. Can, issue. You, can you hear me? We, yeah, right yeah, man. yeah. Like, uh, I do think okay, cool. StreamYard no, no, uh, prioritizes our like, audio because we're phone. kind of cleaner. Oh, absolutely. But, You're very clean. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, I think overall, I enjoy both stories. I'm, I'm, you're still here, Rob. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, I like the first, like they're both good because they're self-contained yeah. um, and it's, it's a story from start to finish to get the idea of what's going on. You, you get to see that it's teamwork, it's duty that's most important to these guys. And they have their own, regardless of our own opinions about what's going down. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And it's cool to see all the toys. Um, I love. I mean, I think it sounds like not a lot of people enjoy the tank sequence, but I really like that little sequence where you kind of like suddenly go into the into the air and you kind of see the tactics of how the ambush works. I love how they that kind of like take around. out. It's so cool. It's like you're just like okay, they're coming along, shooting it, and then they blow it up, and it's cool to see. It feels realistic. I mean, I don't know, I don't know jack shit about tactics and stuff like that, but it feels like something that someone would actually figure out and do in, in, you know, in, in the battlefield. Um, I agree with that. Six nine calls it a, uh, a mission impossible, uh, multiplayer map. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, Metagus, Metagus, sorry, multiplayer, whatever that means, but it sounds cool. <laughs> As you <Well>, said, <laughs> love seeing that perspective. What the top down. Yeah. Um, yes. Very video game. Reaction. This is a nice little change. And it was sort of, it, it, it feels, almost toyetic you know when yeah. you get your your little not the joe joe toys but the little yeah. plastic army men and the little tanks that come with them it, it feels to me it's like you know almost a kid setting that up but it's done in such a realistic way it's mm. very omnipotent nice yeah Guys, well, in my day we already here. had um micro machine army stuff yeah like micro machine military so th this is it sets them up really well events. because you actually yes but it's cool because it, it's from the tank's perspective. It's not just, you know, the, ca the characters. It's you actually get to see um, them, you know, positioning themselves w with their vehicles and, and what the vehicles can do in a battlefield situation. Mm. 
Um, and I think, so, I mean, overall, it's, it's a good issue. Um, both both stories. Uh, Hot Potato is a nice, like, focused character story where the, where the main mission itself is like, this is what G.I. Joe is about. This is the odds that they come up against and that they're able to do overcome. And this is why they are the best of the best. Even when things don't go the way that they think things are going to go, they it's a good hook too because the first story is like an espionage thing the second story is all action so now issue two you're like well what happens now when am i going to get in the next issue yeah guys darren cobb uh uh, comments, can uh because snake because snake eyes saves the day is what darren cobb uh, commented now um I, and and I'm, i think that's in reference <laughs> to hot potato no actually i love that rock and roll actually saves the day um, that is my first favorite thing about that issue, is him blazing in with the ram and just blowing shit up. That was really cool. I just I I enjoyed that moment. All save, but they um, all have moments to shine. Yeah, guys. Also, like the whole snake eyes coming in to save the day thing um, is something I am a little jaded about as well. So I know that I was oh, a bit harsh. Dare you, but <laughs> but I'm glad that you brought the tank thing up, guys, because I kind of had very little space i really wanted to put a lot of stuff in there and i also wanted to kind of irritate people with that statement sorry <laughs> i told you guys i, I feel like you're, you're being very 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 otherwise like you're taking on my role that i usually take on where i am the you know the contrary one the, this year paul is he's like i hate gi joe so much <laughs> no i really don't I think it's because I love it so much that I'm picking it apart the way I am, and because Absolutely. that's my toxic trait. Anyway, well, speaking of speaking of nitpicks, um, it's interesting that there was a mistake in both the first issue and still in the 300th issue. Even 300 issues apart, they're still making mistakes. I thought, I thought that was quite funny. Do so, in issue in issue 300, there's a panel where the where the whale gets introduced, and a word balloon is attributed to cutter but actually it's deep six saying it so deep six is like sheep shipwreck. we are mind <laughs> vulnerable and then shipwreck's like can't be helped deep six but actually the word bubble is cutter saying it um huh. but that that at least is a, is a very small not a small mistake but i mean it's it's an easy mistake to make but i found a bigger mistake in issue one you talk about the barrier so near the end of end of the story they've Yes, the Baroness. Yeah, there, guys. Dr. Burkhardt in that room. It's locked. They haven't blasted their way into the room yet. But there is Baroness in the back of the panel when Barbara Kwanda gets hit by a throwing star by from Scarlet. She's just there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What did Which Stalker do with her after he plucked her out of the car? Yep. Because you don't see her. Like You, you see here, he's holding on to her, and they, they apparently have her outside with them. You know they have her as a hostage but then suddenly she's inside the the bunker before they even get into the bunker and the bunker is locked so technically that panel should come after the door gets blown up and then she kind of like enters the room because it's a sealed room there's only four people in there it's i don't it's it's, it's inexplicable maybe there's something else is going on there or it's the marvel method of telling stories where you know they they do then you know the, the pages first and they throw in the dialogue afterwards and Larry didn't see her in the background there. Very likely. <laughs> and Stephen is yeah, showing us the panel right now. 
Locked room, locked room. Only four of them in there, but somehow Baroness is in there before the door is blown open. Are you sure? And the only reference to her then... Well, it must be the Baroness, because it looks like her. Okay. Guys, I think Larry's been dropping nitpicky fans like us, um, (laughs) these little little pearls, since issue one. He's like, this will give them fodder to talk about on podcasts for the next 40 years plus. (laughs) So uh, let me keep fucking up on purpose. (laughs) he, he, He saw podcasts. That's the, the that's the Marvel method. That is, I'm no prizing this shit. That's all <laughs> intentional because we love love mistakes. <laughs> hmm. Absolutely, mistakes are the best part of comic books. But uh, <laughs> overall, yeah, issue one is definitely leagues ahead of issue three hundred. Um, three hundreds are still understandable. I could understand what was happening. Okay. But the most interesting thing that I could contrast between Hermit seems like the biggest badass, the most evil man in the entire world. He knows what the GI Joes are going to do like 10 moves ahead of they, them doing it in issue one. Mm. While in issue 300, he's he's a coward. You know, like he's like wringing mm. his hands mm. as, as the Joes declare that they're going to take on, they could take down Cobra Command. Um, He's like, oh no, don't don't tell them about the secret entrance to my to, to, the, to the lab. Um, so it's interesting, like, how does he get to that point over three hundred issues? Because I don't remember him being much of a coward from the, at least in the first couple of issues of the Joe. Well, um, why would he even be scared if he's an expert marksman? I'd be like, let the Joes come in. I'm just going to shoot everybody. <laughs> yeah, look, he's megalomaniacal, yeah, like Bond level villain, super villain, in fact. And we've seen a very quick departure from that. And I am perhaps like in the minority when I say this, but to me, the first 10 issues of G.I. Joe are the strongest because Cobra Commander is presented as this extreme threat, this enigma. Yeah, from the like he's always got a backup very, plan. He's always a step ahead. Start. Yeah. I mean, He's their Dr. Doom. They, they suggest themselves. They don't know much about him, but they know. Mm. And contrast that to the, the absolute like yeah. joke that he has become. Yeah, and that's that's kind a of it should be taken how my, my, my enjoyment of the show, or the show, the, the, the series of G.I. Joe has, has declined, along <laughs> with mm-hmm. Cobra Commander's credibility. You know? And it's, it started early on enough in the run. But I'm like, without the the boss of Cobra being this uber threat, like I, I I'm starting to lose stakes here, and it starts yeah. the, the baton has to be handed over to his underlings like Destro and Fred but, and Serpentor, and I'm like, they just don't cut the mustard like this mm. evil masked like like fanatical like drumming up all that bad juju kind of guy that we get presented with in issue one. Steve, spread your cheeks wide for me. I'm about to blow some smoke up there. Mm. Eat it, baby. That's why I think you guys write Cobra Commander so well in your play motions. You <laughs> Our little toy essence. videos. Oh, God. You capture the essence of him from those first 10 issues. That's all I ever want from him, man. Just this mystery threat. Dangerous individual, yeah. Yeah. Dangerous, smart, and cunning, and calculating. And you, you've got that perfectly. And it's a shame that it was lost 
Well, there's no stuffing the, the genie back in the bottle now. Like we started peel be- peeling back the layers on Cobra Commander as this kind of pyramid scheme guy, this disenfranchised like member of the American working class. Like all of these were relatable, great elements adding, you know, texture to a character who could have very easily been this pop-up villain, like, you know, complete mystery, no dimensionality to him. Uh, but the second you start humanizing your big bad is when yeah the threat level diminishes and now it's diminished so far to the point that he is the butt of the joke he's a fucking lampoon yeah so, and that's, that's the problem that. yeah it's the book now is almost like mindbenders in charge because he he's like doing everything in the book and cobra commander is just like yeah okay cool whatever he's a joke yeah. but, but mindbenders is as much of a simpering kind of weakling as well it's no it's a sycophant he's a clone as well you know don't forget that oh i didn't know that yeah he was (laughs) built in the freighter oh add him to the list god God are we gonna find out all the stuff this year about this book and the series (laughs) (laughs) that was that was early doors guys i mean yeah that was buried freighter stuff yeah Um, yeah well Well, doors it was kind of mid mid um marvel era but still, but I don't uh, recall him being cloned. Yeah, I don't. No, not many people then. do. Like, and, and and I can guarantee you, by the time issue three hundred and one rolls around, where we have this kind of soft reset, like Larry probably won't even remember that he's dealing with a clone Snake Eyes. It's like no, he's gonna be writing we, him <laughs> like Snake Eyes. That's why we have our <laughs> research specialist. We have our research specialist Stephen <laughs> to remind you that Snake Eyes is a clone. Mindbend is a clone. Absolutely. Uh, Storm Shadow is a reanimated corpse. Yeah, he's a zombie. That. He is he's a zombie. And so will everyone else be? <laughs> apparently, he was I've said dead that just can't die. Like, no way. Uh, uh, uh. No. Ah, whatever guys it's a comic book it's for kids exactly right <laughs> well that's the problem it's like just a we, comic book. we were hooked on this stuff when we were kids now we're big old and ugly and we have all these questions but it's still being written like we're kids mm. i think that's mm. the that's the ultimate trouble that's why i think like uh, gi joe cobra was is the perfect modern interpretation because it's kind of it's the one the comic book that grew up and matured with Mm. Us, as it's we playing do. to its actual audience as opposed yeah, to yeah, no, imagine no like, children yeah, don't yeah. read this no exactly mm. yeah that I can't wait to get to that stuff or I can't wait to to actually do like a special or something on those issues because my god that stuff's awesome um, haven't been uh, for kids since we were kids but phase 6 9 is dropping the truth yeah. And this is a problem that so, I have um, and, and a challenge absolutely. for any editorial team or any writing team on G.I. Joe is the fact that in the 80s, they were writing this fantasy military book to children who uh-huh. didn't question the reality of it. Now, those children, thanks to G.I. Joe, have grown up, served in actual militaries around the world, and particularly the United States military, and now have more acumen and more insight into the way the actual you know, the sausage is made, the, the, the armored military sausage, um, than the, the writing stuff. Like, it's, it's baffling and a very challenging thing to, to try and uh, write now. Because I don't know, Steve. I've been in the military almost 20 years and I've yet to see any cyborg ninjas. <laughs> My point Just exactly. So you're <laughs> a tough audience to please. But How much I sausage, go? though, Bart? Oh, a lot. <laughs> it's a sausage party, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Okay. Sweet, and, sweet meat. And Steve, to jump in on your on your like on your guitar solo there, that's something that keeps uh, that kept creeping into my mind every time I was trying to read this, uh, write the summary, read the summary, write the summary down because I must have done it like eight times. I spent like a good three hours actually trying oh, to get it, trying to summarize my thoughts. Yeah, I know because I, I was homework very seriously. Good boy. Right? I did, and also it's just it's the first issue. I mean, you know, there was a lot of pressure, and. And you know the thing that I keep referring to uh, mentally when I write a lot of the stuff, or when I was writing this um, summary, and, and just when I think of G.I. Joe, but it is the play motion world. And I'm sorry, I know I'm getting high on our own stash here, but like those, the way that we've characterized the Joes for ourselves, let's put it that way, that has really like kind of taken over um, a lot of what I've you know taken from those characters in the in the comic books or from the comic books so and i think that's like a symptom uh, i think that's symptomatic of you know the fact that the gi joe series has sort of gone up and down and the fact that you know we've grown up and we've had these expectations of gi joe and we i think as fans all of us really wish that this license grew up with us um yeah. you know and that is why so many of us uh, as G.I. Joe fans, and I say us because I'm referring to, you know, the Berg Force, I'm referring to, you know, the Talking Joes and everybody out there. That's why we are never fully happy with anything that, that comes out these days with G.I. Joe because we've had too much time to form our own head cannons. We've grown up quicker than this book has. It's it's mad. And so as I'm writing this, I'm going, huh, like the play motions really have made quite a dent <laughs> in my, like, G.I. Joe psyche. You know, and it's a cool well, thing. It's a cool thing for me. Like, well, the, the play motion to me feel. Sorry, Steve. No, Jim, you, you take it away. I was just gonna. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you speak, my brother. I was gonna say this. The play motions to me feel way more authentically GI Joe than the issue yeah. three hundred. Uh, from literally from any from one five five onwards, really. Wow, dude! You've captured the essence of what GI Joe was, and you've. You've, you've developed it in a way that it, it, it's not childish. To Even though you, this is a bunch of guys playing with toys, it's not childish. <laughs> it's plenty childish at times. But, <laughs> when, but when, when coming up with these situations and these scripts, we've had a lot of, of lessons to go by. I mean, mm. we, 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 we accept into canon what we like and what we think works, and we eschew the elements that don't. So this is building on the foundation of what came before, like for good or for ill. Like we see what the, the evils of, of G.I. Joe media is at the moment, like the things that creep in that we don't like and we don't use those. So I, I still do lay praise on Larry's massive body of work because it's given us hits aplenty, but also misses aplenty. So mm. respect to the man for like just <laughs> staying true to his compass, man. He's he's doing his thing, whether we like it or not. He's just doing his thing. Uh, he's got brought people back from the dead, so there's still hope for BF2K coming back. <laughs> yeah, bro. When I see 2000. mutant zombie bomb, I'm thinking <laughs> this is gonna become a zombie book. Got it. Got it. Cobra <laughs> Island gets overrun by reanimated corpses. You got to bring in. Well, Eco Warriors was my first port of call, but hell, dude, reanimated BF2K. I would read this shit out of that. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's 
So um, I think it's safe to say that we have uh, totally put these issues through the ringer. Um, so I, I would just like to go around the table. I'm, I'm taking Steve's line. I'm going to go around mm. the table. Guys, do you still <laughs> love G.I. Joe I I issue one having read it again? Especially for this episode. I mean, you had to, you know. Are you still, do you still love the issue? Do you still like it? Do you like it more? Do you like it less? Let me know. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I like it more every time I read it. Mm. Sorry, let me, let me jump in straight in and, and not um, stand around waiting to, to ask someone to, to dance with me. Um, yeah, absolutely, brother. Cool, no man. doubt in my mind. I'm sorry your uh, reception has been lukewarm. Rob? Oh, no. Rob? Lay it on us. I, I, I really, I still enjoy it. I mean, I think this is the second or third time I've ever read it. Um, and it's, it's tight. Like, he knows what he's trying to <laughs> do. He's just telling a cool story. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's soldiers it feels interesting and it's not overly sentimental. Or, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's for kids, but it's not written for kids, which, which I quite enjoy. Because I, I feel when you treat kids like as as adults, or at least you talk to them like they're just people, um, they do enjoy what they appreciate that a lot more. And I appreciate that he kind of like respected the toys and the, the kids that were going to read the comic book and just get enjoyment from it. And he set down a way of playing with the toys, which I think is quite cool. Good issue. And uh, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm. I've not read this for years, and as soon as I picked it up, I was like, I was, I was thinking, looking at it as a, as an adult that had never read it before. I thought, this is, this really grips you. It's a really great romp, and um, like, yeah, oh, I'm a, I'm a big, like I'm a big show. fan of Larry <laughs> Hammer in the '80s. Not so much yeah. in the modern day, both as a writer, and I've got a few spiky opinions on him as a guy, unfortunately. But yeah, eighties hey Larry Hammer, big fan. And Bart, because always <laughs> like hearing your thoughts as well, dude. A friend of mine owns a comic book shop, so I don't know a lot of what the books are out there. So what I do is I look for a cover that that gets my attention. This number one would do that. I mean, you got a tank, people, you know, leaping about or whatever. So that's going to get my attention. Now, if I open a book up and I flip through it in the arts crap, I immediately put the book back. Even if the dialogue is everything I could ever want it to be, I, I need a good balance there. So now if the art grabs me, which number one does, I'm going to read the first couple pages, maybe see if there's a synopsis in the, in the front cover or whatever, and see if that hooks me. And if it does, I'm going to buy the book. Um, so if number one was on the shelf right now, I would in not knowing anything about G.I. Joe or whatever, I would definitely buy this book. And not only that, probably tell my buddy, hey, put this title in my pull box for the next couple months. And if I don't like it, I won't get it. You know, and of mm -hmm. course, if I do, then yeah, I'm going to buy it till till they quit making them. Cool, man. And all I want to say is, is that <clears throat> any negativity or anything that I've said about this book is actually rendered moot. G.I. Joe became a phenomenon in the 80s, as we all know. The comic book um, hit like stratospheric heights. Uh, Marvel was kicking all kinds of ass. Larry was kicking all kinds of ass when, they, when he wrote this. So any negative I have now doesn't matter because this book 
did what it did. It became a giant. And um, reading it again, it did remind me why I like G.I. Joe. Not that I've forgotten why I like G.I. Joe, but the comic book did kind of go, you know what? Hey, reader, I'm a comic book about soldiers, and I'm not basic. I got balls. I'm, I'm going to challenge certain concepts. I'm going to challenge ideas. I'm going to put a character in the sights of not only my government, but also a fanatic terrorist organization. And you know what? Go with that. Let's, you know, knock yourselves out. This is not Decepticons versus Autobots, He-Man versus Skeletor. This is, this is the real world, quotation marks. Um, so yeah, I still dig G.I. Joe, and I still think it's got balls. Um, and it, it was, and, and this was made even more starker contrast when I read issue 300, and I was like, wow. <laughs> like this is a whole different book <laughs> and yeah so thank you gi joe one for kicking ass and i do still like you and i just wanted to be cynical because i think it's good radio so <laughs> cool <laughs> backup stories mini posters issue one had it all man wow, so much dudes. value <laughs> yeah all exactly. jet pack. All, all the little <laughs> tidbits yeah, yeah. you yeah. don't get little those extras. in the reprints yeah. Steve, Steve mm. like we were saying before the show about um, Talking Joe's Jim Shooter interview, I, mm. I suggest all you guys go back and check that out because what we're talking about here of 1 and 300 and everything in between, he gives a lot of insight into those early days of when number one was just starting. They didn't know what it was going to do, and he said they were constantly getting phone calls about this book to the point where – they didn't make enough of number two. That's why there's second and third prints or whatever, because this thing just exploded from day one. Um, so if you guys want to hear a good interview, I, I'd definitely say go check that out. Seconded. I will drop the link in the description below. But Third I think... Yeah, very good. No, good. Let's um, show some love to uh, Talking Joe. It's, it's uh, one of my... Uh, great show. appearances once upon a time. Chat to old chief about the GI Joe comic books. It's a good but, show. Uh, I mean, heck, it is a good a show. Times, Still, so miraculously. Yes, we. Um, I think are a wrap for issue uh, two hundred and eighty-two. Unless anyone has any um, breaking latest greatest. I mean, I had half an inclination to address the Sky Striker in the room. But we'll save that for another episode, perhaps. I have been absolutely slammed with uh, opinions and early unboxings uh, videos that I've been watching. <laughs> just, I've got so much to say, man. It, it is perhaps going very, to be very conspiracy theorist. I love it. You're like, if you look at the still frame right here, the action figure comes right off the card. Well, uh, what kind of glue are they using, guys? Okay, is okay. it super glue? <laughs> then, Come on, then just wood to... glue. Mm. Just mm. to um, perhaps, uh, questions, uh, answers. Then, then to perhaps satisfy <laughs> the cu curiosity of anyone listening to this here now, right this second, um, I am so hugely loyal to the OG Sky Striker that I feel like I can't not see nitpicks with the new one because it is attempting to be the greatest Sky Striker ever put forth. And yet it falls down in some very key areas, which the original never did. I mean, the original is not without its faults. We can kind of all see them. They're quite patent, and, and yet we accept it anyways. 
for me, it always comes down to a simple equation. When I pick up a Sky Striker, am I going to pick up the 30th anniversary from 2011? Am I going to pick up the HasLab? Or am I going to go with the OG? And that is very important when shelf space is becoming more and more premium, guys. Yeah. Uh, which one do you want in your collection? And yeah, it's it's getting tough to, to put the HasLab out front, man. I, firstly, why is the canopy tinted so darkly? Pimp my jet, everybody. Like, it's, it's <laughs> weird. I get the color contrast, but what jet in the world uh, decides to, like, do away with visibility instead of uh, prioritize it? I feel like uh, Buttface69 could have an opinion on that particularly. It should be tinted a little Speaking bit Speaking of Buttface69. And Scarlet's Crossbow? Sorry, this is a nitpick, but, like, like did you know that Scarlet's cross do Crossbow does not have a handle molded to it? This wouldn't be a problem, I guess, if uh, I lived in a country where Hasbro Consumer Services gave a shit about me. But since I didn't back this through HasLab, since I'm an international and I'm denied the official routes, how the hell do I have a recourse to my, my Scarlet having a defective uh, accessory? Boo to yeah. that, I say. Boo I to that, I say. Yet, so I don't know. I just want to, uh, I, I have to comment on this. This is great. But Phase 69 in our uh, chat says, Rob needs to start doing a show where he reports as parodies of Steve's Joe theories and call it The Scoop. Hell yeah. Rob. <laughs> I, 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 I love this idea. Yeah. I'm going to work on it. I know. I heard, I'm gonna I make heard it that. <laughs> I was like, please make it happen. I want you to make this happen. <laughs> please make this happen. Just one more thing on the Sky Strike. I'm going to. It's going to be Um <laughs> Oh god! So I've, nev beer. I've never been a mint in box guy. Crazy, but they do exist, and they make up an important <laughs> portion of the of the collector community. Mm. If you want to display the boxed Sky Striker with its gorgeous original-ish artwork, I mean, they did make a little change, which I'll get into next time. But uh, the, the box itself contains the jet and none of its control services. The wings, the vertical stabilizers, and the tail fins are all bagged separately outside of the oh, Sky Striker box. <laughs> the box itself contains this wingless hull of <laughs> a plane nice. and the two boosters, yeah. the, the two the, the jet exhausts. That's it. So what, but if you're a boxed collector and you want to keep your Sky Striker complete, do you have little baggies hanging off the back of the box? <laughs> with the, the, the wings so ridiculous balls this strange but, they, but then they put the three but then they put the three like um backer figures inside the box of the sky striker because that i have seen so when you yeah. open the sky striker box you've got the three carded figures in there um, no 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 they're seven expected. carded figures and they're all yeah. outside of the sky striker box but, but i saw wasn't isn't the scarlet inside packed inside I, I know that you've watched a lot of the videos, so it's a I'm big asking. Box with the, little boxes in it. Yeah, there's a there's a big yeah. shipper box inside that big box. There's an inner box, and inside that inner box, there's the Sky Striker box, which has the artwork on it. And then beneath that, there are two trays, which very nicely have like printed like runway detail uh, on yeah. the the underside of the tray. Yeah, that's cute. Cool. The one tray has the seven figures. The other tray has the wings. <laughs> <laughs> the blast effects, the stand, the fuel trucks. Yeah, that's just poor planning, or or some something stupid happened there with 
they obviously got prototypes back of the control surfaces and they were like not happy with them and had to send them back in but manufacturing had to go through for them to make the deadline i think that's kind of something that happened there i'm i'm very excited uh, because i'm sure in the next few months we're going to get all of the feedback somebody's going to harangue some poor chinese factory worker you know that uh you know at the factory that hasbro uses to produce these things and he's going to be on a podcast and they're going to interview the shit out of him we're, we're going to get the freaking lowdown on this but for now it's just that's really ridiculous that's it's unbelievably stupid um on a positive note though and i'm sorry steve i don't mean to put on your batteries here but i'm very excited because robo skulls are closer now than they ever have been um, yeah, and they so. ship internationally. Oh my god! Ooh, <laughs> I'm very excited for Robo so, Skulls. So sorry, much. dude. I'm sorry, man. But anyway, uh, that's enough anyway, of that. <laughs> that. That's, you've canvassed my early opinion on the the Haslab debacle. There is so much more to the story, but as I say, for another time. Guys, I'd like to thank Jim and Bart for joining us for this celebration, this auspicious occasion, the first episode of 2023. We kicked it off yeah. in the right way. Thank you, gents. That's and happy, happy birthday, birthday Jen. Hell yeah, dude. Happy I birthday, Bart live and Jim. On the air. Hope you guys oh, had a good sorry, one. Robbie, was... We do. Born under a bad what? star, aren't we, mate? Yeah. <laughs> Jim's the good twin. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever what star uh, got you to, <laughs> to episode 282, yeah. uh, I'm thanking it. Um, Paul and Rob, once again, it's lovely to be back in the saddle with you fellas. And uh, let's make it a great year, gentlemen. We will be doing our podcast on a fortnightly basis to uh, allow the YouTube channel a little bit of time to breathe because we'll be doing uh, produced video content every other week. And yeah, the, the, the podcast themselves will have a rather unique structure similar to this one uh, going forward where we're going to get our teeth into some G.I. Joe media for the most part. Um, he and intends... Yes. A little bit of animated media next time, perhaps. And that does mm -hmm. require that we do a little bit more prep. And oh, wow. yeah, so is prep for this show? <laughs> you don't there, have an instant was recall I, mean, I, had stuff. <laughs> I had homework. Steve didn't have homework. Paul, I wrote Robert my Paul. summary 10 minutes before we went live. I wrote mine on <laughs> Thursday. I'm very proud of myself. I feel like I should get a star. You're um, a bloody legend. Well, my and my homework will incredible. take the form of the the playoff, uh, which you're about to be treated to. But before that, I'd just like to say, Yo, Joe Berg. Berg. Yo, Joe. Join our Patreon for only three dollars. You can join our Patreon. Later, guys. 